Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. College football is coming to Ireland, gang, this summer, August the 27th. It is Northwestern, Nebraska. Register your interest. Look out for general sale tickets on collegefootballireland.com. I'll be there. So will Propo. So will Ben. We might even shout Iron Mike the road trip as well. So make sure you head on over to collegefootballireland.com for more info. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. It is draft week. So Shane Vereen is in the house. He's been there, done it, got the t-shirt as well, of course, as the Super Bowl ring with the New England Patriots. So we'll catch up with him, talk through what it was like to be drafted by Belichick, no less. The whole setup as you get in and close to draft day and how teams interview and suss you out if you're a prospect. What it's like once you're drafted as well on a team. Suddenly worried about your position, your gig, know what teams are up to, likely to do, how much interest do you pay in all of that. We'll get into the Patriots, what he thinks they'll do in the draft, his favorite running backs going on the board and so much more. So let's get straight down to it with the brilliant Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen, good to see you, man. Inevitably, as we had our, our pre-record chat catching up, you mentioned golf within 24 seconds. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah the se- season started i guess uh last week course open season kind of gets going within the next couple of weeks uh, out here and you know uh surprisingly well not surprisingly but 
it's been going absolutely terrible for me so far. Oh man, has it? You're <laughs> in a bad run of food. Yeah, it's been terrible. You know what? The frustrating part is like I know I'm not the greatest athlete ever, but like I think I fancy myself a pretty good athlete. I can say, do most. I, I have success with most things athletically that I do, <laughs> but except for this, I'd say uh, I'd say that's pretty fair. If you if you're describing yourself as not a not a great athlete, then there is no hope for the rest of us, uh, considering everything <laughs> you've achieved. But yeah, I'm kind of glad about that in a way, and I'm not not being mean, but yeah. you have had this incredible career as an athlete. You've just transitioned flawlessly into being a top broadcaster, which for us broadcasters who are not top athletes just makes us mad so i'm glad that there's something you're struggling with <laughs> yes it's, it's the great evening yeah it just yeah. evens everything out yeah. hey i was Humbly. watching the i was watching the masters uh a couple of weeks back and what have you ever played augusta i have not i have not uh, i hope i get the chance to i hope i get the invite but it's extremely um selective as far as membership and you know i think augusta's only open for like three four months out of the year Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. It's closed for the summer months. Um, so I don't even know the months that it's open, but it's not open uh, very often. So you got to know, you got to be in with the right people. And, and probably I'm sure if you sort of dropped 500 grad. Exactly. All right. We'll see how much is in the, uh, in the NC show bank account and see if we can yeah. <laughs> rally around for a quick round. I know, I know Propo would love that as well. Hey, listen, the draft this week. So we're going to, we're going to focus primarily on that a few different angles I want to get into with you today. So let's start with the whole, paint the picture, the whole experience of, of being drafted. So you were, you were a higher round pick, were you second round of memories. Yeah. Yeah. Second round 50, 56 overall. So talk about that, that experience, like going into the draft, did you, mm-hmm. your agent, I guess, uh, and, and you must have had a, a pretty good idea with all the draft mix around and the mock draft boards that you were you were going to go in the in the early couple of rounds. But did you go? Did you go higher or lower than you expected? What was what was that whole process like? Yeah, so you know, you kind of know like after um, you know your season's done, um, and then you have your uh, pro day and, and the combine. Well, combine and then pro day. So you kind of have an idea. Your agent kind of tells you an idea of not necessarily which team, but more or less like where you're positioned, where you're ranked among the running backs. And he mm. told me I was third. And, uh, and it turned out that, that I would, that I was the third back taken off the board. And so when you're sitting there watching, you're just waiting for the other backs to go. So then you can kind of start to figure out exactly where, what, you know, what teams need backs, what teams are coming up. Um, and so you kind of have an idea, but but ultimately you never know. You don't know until it happens. So which were the, um, who the backs taken ahead of you? It was Mark Ingram and oh, yeah, okay. and a running back named Ryan Williams, who was the first first pick in the second round to the Arizona Cardinals. First or second pick in the second mm. round to the Arizona Cardinals. And then I remember the Patriots had a dra- had a pick like right before or after, and they took um, Razai Dowling, um, mm. a DB. So. Uh, so once Ryan Williams got off the board, I was like, okay, I should be next, but DeMarco Murray was there. Mm-hmm. Um, who there was a, there was like two other backs that I was like, they could go ahead of me, which means mm-hmm. I could slip to like four or five, fourth yeah. or fifth round, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I just didn't know. Um, and then luckily we're sitting there on the couch and, um, it was the most stressful day I've ever had in my entire life. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah. I, I maybe said six words to my mother the whole day. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the phone rings and uh, it was a block call. So I take it into the other room. 
before before the phone call is done, um, it pops up on the TV that I got drafted by the Patriots and my whole house just erupts. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then all the all the nervousness, all the anxiousness went away and I just was able just to be excited and really enjoy the moment. Who called you from the Patriots? Do you, do you, how much do you remember the call? Yeah. So first it was uh, Coach Bilicek's secretary. Uh, his name is Bearish. So Bears called me. He said, hey, I got uh, Coach Bilicek on the line for you. So then I talked to Coach Bilicek and then I talked to Mr. Kraft. Wow. Uh, and I was on the phone with Mr. Kraft when my house erupted uh, <laughs> <laughs> with noise. And he was like, wow. He goes, wow, Shane, it sounds like you got like 40, 50 people there. And I was like, no, we only have like seven. That's just my mom. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's really excited. She's got a big voice. Oh, I bet you. I bet she's yeah. saying, well, I mean, it must be what incredible moment for her as much as it, yeah. was, it was for you. I mean, talk about landing on your feet as well. Because that, I mean, I guess at that point, you're happy any player is, is in, in principle anyway, happy to be making it in the NFL. So you, you're telling yourself, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with wherever I go. Right. But of course mm. you've got on the one hand, Miami and oh, warm weather mm. destinations. And then you've <laughs> yeah. got where you're going to go. As you say, so, you know, obviously dropping down a few rounds is going to cost you, cost you dollars and cents, but most yeah. importantly of all, surely it's, I'm going to the Patriots. I mean, yeah. It could be <laughs> yeah. Detroit. It could have been Cleveland. Right. Right. Yeah. I got extremely lucky with that uh, because that's, that's something that the players have no control over. We right. have control over combine. We have control over our pro day. We have control over the tape that they see because it's our college film. We don't have control over who chooses to, to draft us to their, to their roster. Um, so it's extremely nerve wracking. And I took meetings uh, after pro day with new England, Cleveland, Miami, uh, and I believe there was one other team. Um, and out of all those teams, you know, and coming into the draft, I wanted to go to New England. I just felt that that offensive system really fit my style of play. And, and um, you know, I, I just felt that that would have been the right fit for me. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I, I, this is sad. I didn't even know that New England Patriots were in the Boston, Massachusetts area until, <laughs> until like a month before the draft. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a West Coast guy. We rarely saw the Patriots on TV. And when we did, I was like, New England. Oh, so they're probably like up there in New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, maybe. I don't know. Somewhere over there. But I, I never, yeah. But I never knew exactly what city they were closest to. That so. is amazing. I I hope. I Tell me you told us, tell Belichick that. <laughs> no, I, I haven't told anybody that. Until probably just now, so. I love that. That's an Ed Shane Marine exclusive. I love that. So that is uh, just to go back to the, 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 the meetings you had with the yeah. different, again, you know, Miami's in the mix there. So the, uh, there's a lot of pros there and New England. Did you have a sense that one of the, are you pulling for the Patriots? Did you get a sense that they were looking like the most likely destination? Was it complete? Well, it wouldn't have been a complete shock to you if you interviewed there, but yeah, where was that? you know, them calling you, was it, oh, thank God. Was it, yeah, that, you know, I kind of yeah. was looking like it was going to go that way. How do you feel? Yeah, it was looking like it was going to go that way. And I say that because, you know, uh, when I interviewed with the teams after my pro day, um, I met with the other, I met with uh, Miami and the Browns, I want to say for, and that meeting was probably like 30, 45 minutes to an hour max mm. uh, on the field work mainly. Uh, when I was with the page, when the Patriots came to work me out, 
we were an hour on the field and an hour in the classroom <laughs> on the board. So it was like a little over two hours uh-huh. all in all. Um, so I was like, okay, That's if they're going to spend this much time to like really get to know me and what I know and what I can do. You know, I feel like that's a pretty good sign that that they want me on their on their roster. Yeah, so. that's a good step. Thank God they didn't have a map of America and say, Shane, question number one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's out where Boston yeah. I just would have circled the whole New yeah. England area. Somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is uh that is fascinating and uh and, and just getting insight into what that's like actually taking meetings. So uh I guess they're explaining their their offensive philosophy and strategy and how you'd fit in. How much are they grilling you? Do you get a sense of particularly New England, I guess, in, in terms yeah. of how, how literate, how, how much football smart you had? Do you sense that was a big part of it? I, absolutely. Um, you know, they instead, like the, sometimes they'll give you plays from their playbook um, and see if you can just retain the knowledge and, and then, you know, take what they told you and draw it up on the board, just simple plays. But more than anything, they want to know how much you know about the system that you just left, your college system. And Mm. luckily for me, we were in a pro style system in college. So I kind of knew the same terminology, but they must have had me draw up 15 to 20 plays from college just to see how much I knew. Um, And it, it honestly, I'll be honest, it got to the point towards the end where I was making up names for plays. <laughs> I, cause I just, I just forgot. I forgot what they were. It, yeah. It had been like four or five months since I, since I'd been in college at the time. So some of the plays, you know, I had like 10 solid. And then after that, I was kind of like, you know what? I remember the scheme. I remember my, my positioning and my assignment and what I'm supposed to do. I just can't remember what we named this concept or what we, what we, what we called this. So then I just started making stuff up. But they don't. But they don't know. I mean, they, they don't know. Are you sure you didn't get rumbled? You're like, yeah, we call this play the uh, the whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I called one of them quick lightning. I don't know where that. I just quick lightning. That's that was the name of a play, which we never had. Love but, the fact you remember. Yeah. This is amazing. Shane Barry with all the revelations today. I love that. Yeah. Um. So uh, okay, let's let's move on to a couple of years in the facility, right? And and then what happens. Uh, around the draft on draft day when you're when you're a current player do you yeah. do you have a sense i mean again you're reading the same media that we are you're getting a, a sense you know if you're if you if you care and you're studying the team you know where they're they're likely to want to strengthen but how much of that is is did you soak up as a player like did you watch the draft when you're a patriot or a giant did you talk to Mm-hmm. some of the coaching personnel about get try and get a steer on where they may be going or were you kind of in the dark on them? You know, you're you're in the dark because uh, no one's going to come out and tell you, because to be honest with you, that's a that's an upper management decision. And based on how the draft goes, everything gets adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you never. So for them to tell you one person or a couple people would kind of be misleading because you never know what's going to happen before that your team picks. Um, so you don't, you have kind of an idea based off of the off season moves, based off the guys that left the team, based off the new signees. Um, and then, you know, being in the locker room, being on the team, you understand where we need to get better, the positions that we have weaknesses at, and that's probably where we're going to draft first. But to be honest, you, you really don't know. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't really care, honestly, as long as they were good teammates and, and can make the team better. Um, whether it was my position, whether it was a quarterback defensive position, it really didn't matter to me. Um, 
if they did draft a running back, if anything, that was more motivation for me. Wow. That's yeah. a, that, I mean, that's testament to, to your mindset, but that's, you know, surprises me. You know, I thought that, you know, even, um, even the most confident of players is going to be a little bit, oh, really? They're getting, you know, more, but that's fascinating. You look at that as competition. And yeah. with regards to the draft day itself, is, do you remember, did you, do you sit and watch the draft? Do you watch it with teammates? Do you just, yeah, keep an eye on it, obviously, but you're not really, how much of a focus is it once you're a player? Yeah, so I knew I wasn't going in the first round. So the first round came and I watched most of it, but I just wanted to take my mind off of it. So I was at my parents' house. So me and my brother went in the backyard and just started playing basketball and just, you know, I would peek in every now and then, excuse me. But the second round, I watched every last minute of it until I was drafted. And then I was like, okay, turn this thing off. Let's go (laughs) get some food. Let's go relax. (laughs) And the the, uh, bottle of rum gets opened pretty soon after that, I I would hope. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Belichick's draft approach because he is, of course, one of the few head coaches that has personnel control as well, or certainly yeah. a significant say in, in, in personnel and, and always has, of course, at the Patriots. And uh, how does that style, do you think, uh, play out as the NFL goes forward? Are we going to see less and less of that control given by owners to, to head coaches? Is it... Uh, is it going to be, well, it, it entirely depends on a situation and, and if a coach achieves the level of success and, and the level of reputation that, of, of Belichick, they will earn that right if they want it. How do you see that going forward in the modern NFL? Is it going to become more and more marginalized, the amount of control somebody like Belichick has on a team? Yeah, um, I, I think you said it, actually. It, it comes with success. Um, you know, the, the, as a player, the more success you have, the more um, the coaches trust you the more you're on the field, the more plays they, they draw up for you, the more that the more you're featured in games. So it comes with trust. Um, it comes with success. And it comes with proving that if you make a draft pick that was unexpected, um, maybe maybe somebody that nobody was expecting you to draft in second or third round kind of early. And then you end up coaching that player up and turning them into a, a bona fide star. That that says a lot as well. That mm. says a lot. And it's crazy because the Patriots don't really have that great of a draft history. Right. They're they're middle to they're middle to like bottom of the league if you look at draft success. Um, but one thing that New England does well, and the reason why I don't think that matters so much is they have so much confidence in their coaching staff mm. in the way that they, they coach guys, the way that they bring them up through the system, bring them up through the program. Um, really, as long as the player can take what, take the, the coaching, get better at the fundamentals of the game, they'll find a place for you on the field. Yeah. Do you think that cohesion and vision and that long-standing identity makes the draft in, in principle more straightforward for them to find value in, in later rounds, the same way they pick up uh, pick up players that have been discarded and suddenly they find a home and, and, and relative success in, in New England. Do you think that's one of the cornerstones of why they've been able to, if not in, as he's rightly saying, totality, that, that yeah. if you look at their draft hits and misses, is you know maybe not as, as advertised that Belichick is this draft guru, but particularly because he seems to find a lot of value in the lower rounds. Absolutely. Um, and I... 
and and that is where most of your rookie roster comes from is is the the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Mm-hmm. That's where most of your special teams roster comes on. That's where most of the guys that are going to start playing middle to end of the year once the starters get banged up and they have to take less reps. Now you start getting more reps, not just in practice but in games as well, and so you start to get that experience. Um, but I, I think the best thing about the way New England and Bill Belichick draft is that. They don't draft. They don't feel pressure. I don't feel like, you know, last year we saw Belichick in his Cape Cod home with with his dog sitting on his lap. And he's just sitting at the at the kitchen table, just drafting, you know, Um, because and then then you see teams that are like shuffling, trying to figure out who to draft. Oh, this guy's good. This guy's the best. The next guy up, yada, 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 worrying about factors when I feel like New England just looks at the talent. What skills does he have? Can we utilize his skills on this team, on this roster? Can we find a place for him? Um, and so it kind of takes the pressure off of the draft. Um, mm. We don't need to draft who Mel Kuyper and these draft analyst guys say are the best. We need to draft the guy who's best fit for our organization and our locker room. Yeah, because that, that's the, the crux of it. I guess if you, if you look at the a simplistic binary division in draft philosophy, it's obviously let's draft for our need, our our key needs versus the best player on the board based on our estimation. And then the external pressure, the kind of third wheel of, well, this is our board, but it's kind of quite discordant from what everybody else is saying here. And whether you can hold your nerve with that as well. Because if you think about in recent drafts, and I know it's maybe not the best example because it didn't necessarily play out as they'd hoped, but I always quite admired Mike Mayock (laughs) <laughs> and hear me out here. Uh, yeah. Admired the fact that Mayock stuck to his guns and what whether Mayock, whether it was Gruden, we'll never maybe fully know, but let's assume it was Mayock. He stuck to his guns on players that the Raiders had much higher than most other draft boards. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it didn't play out as quite as they'd hoped, but I quite admired that, that conviction. And I wonder whether a number of war rooms, as you say, the cerebral karma, Belichick, the, the flip side of that, none of them panic and think, oh, we wanted to take this player here, but no one's got him. And 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 they and they bottle it and they go down, go down the road because they feel that's the conventional wisdom and everyone else is saying that. And it'd be interesting yeah. to kind of see that play out. Yeah, I, I think what what separated Mike Mayock from a lot of people was that he had spent, I don't know, 10 plus years doing draft analysis. Right. So he knew he was he was a vet in that realm. You know, he didn't have to go go game plan for 20 weeks out of the season. He didn't have to go do OTAs and Mm. his whole job was evaluating college talent, excuse me. And, and seeing if that college talent will translate into the NFL. That's, that was his job at ESPN um, or NFL network. I forget which one he was with, but so it was, I feel like he was more comfortable in that situation. Um, Didn't really get deterred by who was drafting before them or draft trades or, okay, this guy's off the board. We wanted him. Who's next up. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a tough question for a lot of organizations. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. When something goes, yeah, when you, you watch it and you watch, you know, a trade happens or a player goes in an unexpected position, the tailspin that that can send those <laughs> forums into. What, what would you be, Shane Vereen, the GM? Would you be, I'm taking the best player available or would you draft on need? I, I would draft squarely on need. Um, I would do my homework on what we needed. I would do my homework on what, um, free agents are still out there. 
um, in case I don't get the guy that I want. Right. Um, and, and, and after that, I would look for who's going to be the best fit for this locker room. Who's going to, he might not be the best talent, but if he fits in well with this locker room, he's going to show up every day. He's going to be a great teammate. He's going to work harder than he would have. And he's going to, and he's going to get pushed by my leadership that it's already in the locker room. Um, so that, that's kind of how I would draft. I, I've never been a guy that's thought that the first round pick was really all that important to the overall scheme, um, the overall locker room, the overall organization, especially not in the first two years. It's going to mm. take a while for that first round pick to really come into their own, unless, of course, they're like, you know, a Patrick, you know, Patrick Mahomes or like somebody who's just phenomenal. Just from day just one, a, a physical beast. Yeah. Well, so you're quite a big character guy, then that would be a big part of your draft. So like in draft day, when Kevin Costner's character passes on Bo Callahan, <laughs> because no, yeah. one, no one went to his birthday party. That's that's the same kind of line of deep diving you would look into before you went to, you wouldn't be foxed by how talented they were if you didn't like them off the field. Absolutely. Yeah, I think character um, adds more than talent, especially in the NFL. Everybody is talented. Everybody has special talents. Everybody, we're the 1% of the 1%. Um, so you're not going to, you're, you're going to have talent on your team. It's just a matter of, can you make that talent and turn that talent into a successful football team? Mm. Do you think Belichick's big on character? Absolutely. Do yeah, you get absolutely. that vibe when you were being quizzed and questioned by the, by the organization? I, I really did. Um, and luckily, you know, I, I hadn't had any off the field issues that, that would have changed my character. Um, my, the perception of my character, I was a captain my last year at Cal. Um, and so they knew I had leadership qualities and, and my coaches, you know, I always respected my teammates, respected my coaches, but that was instilled in me since I was eight years old. Mm. Um, you know, it's not about you. It's about the team. That's, that's always been my mindset. And that's been drilled into me from my parents since I started playing football. Um, <clears throat> but I think character goes much further, um, than talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that's the Patriots way, then that's testament to the success <laughs> yeah. of that philosophy. Did they try any uh, $50 bills at the back of the playbook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, no. Uh, unfortunately, no. And, you know, now there's NIL, college players can get paid. But, yeah. you know, in college, yeah. I never I never got paid. I never got like a $100 handshake. And I always say, I wish I would have at least had the opportunity to say so, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. What do you think the Pats will do in the draft? Where do they need, uh, what are their key needs? You know, um, I think it's going to be, you know, defense heavy. I think I like a couple line. I think they're going to go linebackers um, because as I'm looking at possibly an offensive lineman as well, a strong offensive lineman. Um, but as I'm looking at their, <clears throat> at their roster right now, I mean, I know they've lost some guys on the defensive end. Um, they've lost an offensive lineman, <clears throat> but they got a strong team and, and most of the guys on this team were there a year ago. Mm. Uh, so that, that's another thing that, that makes you feel good about it is it's like I have I'm returning 20 out of 22 starters, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the examples are going to be there for guys to learn from. The leadership is going to be there. I have I have not just a veteran team, but an experienced team in this system. Mm-hmm. And so I just need guys that will be able to come in and do a good job when these guys are banged up guys that are going to come in and, and follow the leadership and really work to get better. Mm. And I think that that's, 
that's kind of where. So I think there's going to be some surprises with who New England drafts, but I think it's going to start with the linebacker crew um, and then possibly some offensive linemen as well. What do you think will be the the changes as much as we can tell at this stage to, to the to the Patriots offense, of course, with the with the exit of Josh McDaniels? Do you think mm-hmm. given they've built a, 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 a very careful and steady game plan around Mac Jones, it'll be more of the same? Or do you expect things to, to change up a fair bit tangibly enough for us to think, OK, this is a this is a fundamentally different offense to last year? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is as I'm looking right now, they they haven't named an offensive coordinator, right? It says vacant. So which tells me it's going to be the same. Mm. I think they're going to be a strong run run team and they're going to use the run game to open up the pass game. Mm. Um, And I think there's going to be a lot of big plays because you're going to be able to use play action well, but it's going to have to start with a strong run game. So I think it's going to look very similar to the way the offense looked last year. I think they will allow Mac Jones to pass the ball more than he did. I don't think there's going to be a game against Buffalo where he throws the ball three times. And yeah. I think, you know, I think we saw that and I don't know if we're going to see that again. Maybe though, you never know, but, um, and I think they're just going to, I would have better checked in, on that in his head. is just going to try and outdo himself and just, we're going to, we're not going to pass it once. <laughs> we're going to go back exactly. to 1937 football. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you do. Hey, let's talk running backs in the draft next. Um, because it's something you and I've talked about a fair bit over the last couple of years that running backs, uh, uh, running the running back as a position is getting uh, increasingly devalued, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily altogether fair, but it is the way that it is. And that's both represented in the, in the deals that players are getting, but also of course, draft stock where rarely now do you see a, a player go in the first round, a running back go in the first round. And, and right. if they do, it's kind of eyebrows raised and all, oh, was that a bit of a, uh, was that a bit of a reach? Was that necessary? Uh, and I guess the draft this year looks the same kind of thing. There's plenty of talent there at the running back position, yeah. but they're probably going to go second, third, fourth round a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I this is this draft is very interesting. It's a very unique draft for the running back as there's not one clear standout or best running back this year. The talent is spread out across the board. And in past drafts, there's those two or three backs that are just better than everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and the average drops the average skill level of the backstrop this year. I think the average skill level is higher than most than I don't know, since in the last three years. So I think this is pro- more depth. Absolutely. More players that are around the same level as opposed to like two or three superstars and then a big old drop. Absolutely. Um, mm. I just think that running backs now are being taught to use all their skills. That's catching the ball out of the backfield. That's screenplay. That's route running. Then it's running the ball, pass protection. Um, as the NFL game starts to morph and change, so does the college game. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're going to start to see more backs that might not stand out, but they have a plethora of skills that mm-hmm. can be used in every single offense in the NFL. Who do you like? most of all in terms of the, the style of play it's I hazard a guess given the kind of player you would is it James Cook you know my I like James Cook um okay if I say my top five backs here are okay. my top five backs let's right? hear it. ready yeah, yeah. number five is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame mm-hmm. number four is Zamir White from Georgia three Isaiah Spiller um from Texas A&M I really really like him I just I just need to see just a little bit more improvement, but he's one of my favorite, if not my favorite back in the draft. What do you and like about the, him? 
uh, his his versatility, um, the way he makes people miss. He's extremely shifty, um, yet he's not terribly small. Um, he's got speed. He can catch the ball down the field. Um, he doesn't shy away in the big games. Um, I just I just really like his his style of play. He's a very good inside runner as well. Mm-hmm. His vision is extremely is extremely good. Uh, and then the top two guys, and you can put one at it, you can flip flop them, but it's Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Those mm-hmm. those those are my top two backs. My knock on Kenneth Walker is um, I haven't seen him catch the ball enough out of the backfield. Um, he's a very strong runner. He's not very big, but he's a very tough and strong runner. Um, doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his legs because last year was the only year that he really saw a bulk of carries. He transferred um, to Michigan State. Brees Hall can do absolutely everything. Um, he is the most complete back in this draft. He is also the back with the most wear and tear on him. Mm. Um, and so, you know, every, every, every player in the NFL, every football player alive has a hit count. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his meter is lower um, than, than everybody else's. So th- th- those are my top five guys. Love that. So just on, just on that, the point on, on Brees Hall and how much that is going to be factored in now, given the evolution of, of the position and mm-hmm. the fact that rarely now a, a, a three down backs drafted and played from, from day one, is that mm-hmm. less of a factor than it would have been 10 years ago that he's got quite a lot of miles on the clock already? Uh, absolutely. And it's because in the last couple of years, we've seen the backs that have been the quote unquote bell cow for these NFL teams, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Saquon Barkley's, the Le'Veon Bell's, those guys and they're, they're in the injuries mm. that have come up. I mean, the last two years, we haven't really seen Saquon or Christian McCaffrey on the field very, very often just because their bodies are just not holding up. Um, I think it's smart. I enjoyed playing in a two back system. I understand you're not going to get that huge, humongous $40 million payday, mm. but at the same time, you're going to be on the field and you're going to, you have a chance to play a longer career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's give and take. I really enjoyed it. I, I think more offenses are going to be moving to that just to keep their best back healthy for 16, excuse me, 17 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, like I said, that's the toughest part of the NFL is staying healthy for the entirety of a season. Well, you know, that, that leads us nicely into the other main thing I wanted to get into with you today, Debo Samuel, and specifically his situation, but also the kind of broader principle of player power, right? So one of the issues that Debo apparently has had with the 49ers is the extent that which he's, he's being used, which has obviously made, to some degree, made his name, this versatility and the fact he's kind of new yeah. era offensive weapon but the impact that that's having on him and and will have on him if he's being expected to be used in 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 the same way going forward so that's interesting in itself that a player who has it's an exceptional talent that is that has pushed himself into elite status in the nfl by having that versatility is now looking at that and saying well actually i want to be streamlined a little bit more because of the the impact that's having on my career, which of course you can understand from an individual perspective. But when that aspect of the story broke about Debo, what did you make of that? Did you think, yep, fair play, I completely with you on that? Or do you think, well, hang on a minute, that's what's got you to where you got to. So you got to you got to dance with the one that brung you, as they say. I think it's a gift and a curse. Um, mm. it, it's what made him special. 
but I understand what he's saying completely. Um, carrying the ball, I mean, he just got a little taste of, of what running backs go through on a year-in, year-out basis. And the the life expectancy for a running back is still only a, about a year and a half. Sure. So I understand exactly where he's coming from and that he wants to be more of, of a wide receiver. I don't blame him for that at all. Mm-hmm. Longevity is, is the main goal in the NFL. However, I, I do have one flip side um, opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I Tebow Samuel had 77 catches this year, 1400 yards. Um, a great talent at wide receiver can catch the ball short and take it long. He had three games towards the end of the season um, against Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Cincinnati, where he only had one catch in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if he's as consistent of a receiver to not use him at the running back position. Right. And that is my, that's my only rebuttal to him um, not wanting to – if he does, if this is true, that of him not wanting to be um, used in the run game as much. It's a great point. And I, it crossed my mind as well. There's, there's no doubt Ting is, is unbelievable talent, but as we, as we well know, a lot of professional sports will stop at the NFL. Hey, broadcasting is the right time, <laughs> right time, right place stuff, right? And being in the yeah. right situation, being used in the right way and coaching uh, coaches and, uh, and, a, and a blueprint that, plays to your strengths right and that there is that element of yeah you put samuel somewhere else the hell of a player that he is is he going to have the same impact it was this very much a case of he works really well in this offense because that's what he's being asked to do and the stars are, have aligned there so it's a, it's it's an interesting point you make about that. i hadn't clocked that usage does that mean it let's just flip it in the 49ers keep him and playing hypothetical uh for a moment they agreed to, they acquiesced to, okay, we're not going to use you in the same way we have. We're going to put you out more as an out-and-out receiver without anything else. Does that then, following that point through, diminish the impact he would be likely to have going forward to the 49ers? Do you, think? you know, that's, that's a very good question. Um, the 49ers cannot get rid of him. I, I, don't, I, I don't see really outside of Kittle much of an much offense if they don't have Debo, Debo mm. Samuel. And that's what he brings because he was such an effective runner. I think wherever he goes, they're going to want him to at least have two or three carries a game in the backfield, just because mm. you can't put that kind of talent on display and then expect, and then go somewhere else and expect that that coach isn't going to want to use that talent. You know, right. we're trying to, we're trying to win ball games at the end of the day. That's why mm. we're here. Um, so, and that, that goes back to my gift and a curse, you know, I hope, I think he fits so well in the Kyle Shanahan system and there's not too many systems like that out there. Um, it, not to say that he can't fit into any system in the NFL. Cause I believe he's that type of player where he can fit in any system. Um, it's just how effective will he be? in a different system is the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, on the player power tip for a moment, because it's not necessarily, well, certainly holding out, for example, is not a new thing. I mean, did you experience that? Did you, did you ever have a teammate that held out? I'm trying to think. 
not to reset, not, not to my knowledge uh, in New yeah. England. Um, if anything, in New England, it was more or less, you know, players getting traded or players um, not being re-signed. That was yeah. kind of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. In New York, um, we never we had some players that threatened to hold out, but they were but they, they were there day one. They took. Um, yeah. So, know, what, so I haven't really experienced it. No. How would you feel about it then if, if that had happened? Because it, it's, yeah. you know, it's a mercenary business, right? And, and exactly. as you just pointed out, players cut without blinking, whatever you think of the situation in, in Cleveland or rather, whatever you think of Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's been treated pretty uh, brutally in, in, in many respects because that's the, that's the game. And, you know, who was it? Bobby Wagner. I think the way that mm-hmm. uh, apparently Seattle dealt with him after everything he's done and, it's a tough old business, right? So does that mean you're always going to be on the side of the player if they want to hold out or would it frustrate you? And do you think it's a selfish baby? Because you think, well, we all would like to hold out. You know, we all right. want to get the best deal, but come on, we're a yeah. team here and this is affecting us. Yeah. Um, you, you learn very often that the NFL is business first. Um, mm-hmm. And if it wasn't business first, then you might have a gripe with somebody holding out. Um Whenever there is a player holding out, I'm like even now when I watch, I'm like, go get your money, hold out, go get your money, um, because it's a finite time in your career where you have the opportunity to go and get top dollar for your talents. Mm. Um, there's not there's a small window for most players, um, myself included, on when I on when I had the opportunity to go get it. You have to go get it at that time. Otherwise, you never know if it's going to be there again. So I'm all about players going out and getting their money and doing what they need to do to get their money, because on the flip side, if the team had an opportunity to get rid of said player for somebody cheaper, they're going to, that's good. They're going to do that. Um, and that screws the player. So I, I what I if think, it gets to the degree though, that I hear you and, and, yeah. I, and I respect that, but let's say a player holds out to the degree where it goes through the off season and the voluntary workouts and mm-hmm. yeah, we're getting into close to the exhibition games are happening. And then you're into the season and yeah. he's holding out and your team is, clearly affected yeah and the talent is diminished because he's not playing at that point you start to get frustrated that he's holding up i think it's 50 50 i think you get frustrated at the player a little bit but you also get frustrated at the team and at the upper management as far as just just getting something done um because nobody in the building, no matter what organization, wants to lose. Mm. So if, if we're struggling and there's a, re- a clear-cut reason why we're struggling and it's this player, then we got to get something done. So it, you still, it, it's still tough for me to blame the player in that situation. Now, if it's egregious and that goes back also to the character of said player, mm. um, then I feel like it would fall f- more on the player. But you know, when, if, if that situation, I think it would be 50-50. Did we talk at the time about Antonio Brown when he when he walked off? I don't know if we did yeah, or not. I don't know. I don't, about- maybe we did like last year, like right after it happened. I think is I'm that sure. if that kind of thing had happened when you were playing, would you? Does that fit into the same bracket? Yeah, I I, I probably wouldn't be too happy as if I was a teammate and that and that happening. I just. I would just would feel that that was selfish. Yeah. Um, I would just feel that you're here for the wrong reasons. You're here for yourself and we're all here for each other. Mm. Um, and that would rub me the wrong way. Because he refused to play or because he went out in a exhibitionist style. 
it was be more because he went out in exhibitionist style. Yeah. Somebody of that caliber who's been in the league for that long, they know their body. They know if they're ready to play and if they're not ready to play. Mm -hmm. And it's not up to a coach to tell me when I'm ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I know my body. I've been doing this for a very long time. Um, It's just the whole exit strategy was not very conductive to a team setting. I love the way you describe that as an exit strategy. (laughs) Just (laughs) bowling off the pitch. Um, Just a final point on this and we'll wrap. Just on the player power narrative. Do you see that shifting? If we're talking about this perennially mercenary game and owners, GMs, coaches will cut players without blinking and just deal with it. So that vindicates a player for trying to get theirs and uh, that will make sense. But do you see that dynamic shifting where players are getting more control of the situation than they've had before? Or is it still, because they've had superstars forever, right? And superstars yeah. you know, can, uh, can to, to a large degree, call yeah. the shots in terms of contracts. So do you feel that there is a, a shift in, in that dynamic? I do. Um, I, I think for two reasons. One, I think players in the NFL um, are learning more about contracts. I think agents are more wise about contracts, about the money that's in the NFL, about and learning how much power you actually have, especially after a, a, a monstrous year like mm. Debo Samuel. Also, the second point is I think they, especially in America, you look up and you see how the NBA players are are working um, their situation, how uh, baseball players are holding out and getting money and really just taking the control back and the power back. And um, so you see it happening in other big time sports. Why is it, why can't I do that in the NFL? Mm. When my, when my career is less than half of their career, um, I have less time to get paid and to get that money. And, you know, not everybody is able to get a second and third contract. Really it's, you get your rookie deal, you get one more, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my situation. And so I think they're learning from other sports and they're becoming more aware of the power that they hold and the money that is really in the NFL. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, really interesting to see how it plays out in, in, in future years as well. It's a great point you make about the NBA. In particular, I would say in particular, I mean, I'm still always stunned about the spread that goes on in Side baseball locker rooms, the amount yeah. of food that is put in, in the <laughs> why the yeah. NFL players haven't the NFL PS pushed for that. And just a big yeah. vat of bubble gum, for example, is that uh, right. yeah, blew my mind the first time I saw that. Hey, Shane Marine, <laughs> great. I know you've got a tea time you got to get to, obviously. So uh. <laughs> we've got to let, let you go. Man, fascinating insight. We could chat to you all day. Uh, really appreciate uh, it as ever, man. Come and check in with us soon, though, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Uh, Take care and I look forward to the next time, man. Thanks. Take care, bud. See you later. Always fun catching up with him, huh? He will be back. You can guarantee that one of our regulars, one of the all-pro crew here on the NC Show. Speaking of which, get set for the draft by deep diving into the vault. Great episode earlier on this week with Ben. Uh, He also did a mock draft with Propo. Both of those episodes, the mock draft ones, and of course, earlier this week, available in the vault. So if you haven't already subscribed to us, if you want to follow us on social media, come on, you know the drill by now, right? At the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let me hear you, gang. Still no TikTok, but we will make amends. I like that idea of Iron Mike uh, running our TikTok. Hey, check out the episode with Ben uh, that we dropped earlier this week because we had a great idea for the draft as it's in Vegas. So if you haven't listened to that already, it's worth, it's worth listening to just for that 
idea because I think we're onto something. Let us know what you think uh, at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Finally, if you haven't, we would massively appreciate if you dropped us a review on whichever platform you listen to because it keeps our sponsors happy. Shout out College Football Island, shout out DraftKings. Big news about them coming soon. Uh, and mainly it, it puts a smile on Propo's face. And, you know, he needs he needs that kind of gratification and reassurance. So uh, if you have 30 seconds, drop us a review. Big shout out to all of you who've done that so far. Right. Enjoy the draft, gang. We'll be back to Debrief Friday. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.